Welcome to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. We talk about the intersection of parenting and technology. Everything you need to know about raising kids in the digital age. This is Parenting Bites. Hi, welcome to Parenting Bites. This is Rebecca Levy of Kids Views. I'm here in the studio all by myself. <laughs> I have Andrea Smith is on the phone with me. Hi. Hi. And on today's show, we are going, actually, I'm really excited about this. We have a special guest. We have Sal Khan, the founder of Khan Academy, joining us to talk about their new venture that they have for Khan Academy, but also online learning and how Khan Academy started and how you can help your kids at home using tools like Khan Academy. We're going to talk about the SAT. Um, and I'm so excited because I always wondered why it was called Khan Academy, and I know it's just his name. Oh, you didn't know that? That's so <laughs> no. funny. You never saw those. Like, I have to say, I guess because my girls are 15. I mean, I really, like, knew him from the very beginning because it, it they were, like, the first videos um, – you know, when you go looking for math tutorials, when they introduce like the new Common Core math, and every parent was like, "I don't know how to do math this way." Um, sure enough, <laughs> but it's like a, it's just a much bigger platform than I think people realize, and yeah. it's pretty cool. So I'm excited to talk to him. I think it's really, as parents said, so kids head back to school, knowing that there is help out there for you and homework, really good homework help that you don't have to have those battles with your kids that you can find these resources online now I think it's just oh I have to hear about this because man I wish changer. that was around <laughs> right yes I don't want to hear another person complain about new math like there are so many good resources for you and Khan Academy is definitely one of them and free 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 is always good um, so we're going to talk to him and then we'll be back with our bites of the week right after that Talking tech, apps, entertainment, and issues around parenting the digital generation. This is Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. So we are here with Sal Khan, founder of Khan Academy, on the phone with us today. Hi, Sal. Hello. We are so excited to talk to you today. I, I think I want to give a little bit of background about Khan Academy, and you tell me if I get it right. Um, but you started this how many years ago now? Yeah, we have an ambiguous start date. <laughs> you use the date that uh, I started tutoring my cousins. That was, uh, gee, that was almost 13 years ago. If you think about when I started, you know, I got the domain name and I started writing software for my cousins. That was uh, 2005. And then the first videos were in 2006. But then we incorporated in 2008 as a nonprofit. But then 2009 was when I quit my job for real. <laughs> you can pick your start date. I feel like did so you when you quit your day job, you know it's real. Right, exactly. Yeah, and, and, and frankly, 2010, it wasn't until 2010 that we actually got, we were able to become a real organization and get office space and things like that. But that's still recent, and I feel like you guys were really the forerunners of online video learning for kids. Um, you know, these weren't adult courses. They weren't. They were really, really broken down tutorials. Was it math mostly in the beginning? Um, yeah, it right. was uh, mostly math in the beginning. I mean, it was what my cousins needed. And you know, in all fairness, we weren't the first. Uh, there were other people who had done this type of thing uh, already on the internet. And, and even in the late '90s, people were trying to do this type of thing. It was mainly from a for-profit point of view. Right. I would say maybe what allowed us to get traction, uh, unusual amounts of traction, was 
as you mentioned, it was more bite-sized. It was really made for this uh, versus, you know, a lot of the other stuff up there was kind of a camera of someone giving a lecture in a traditional way. I think just the breath. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I'd like to think it was a little bit of this, um, you know, we were lucky that the initial content, both the software, the practice, and the videos were, were made for my cousin. So I think people felt a certain, you know, kinship. <laughs> they felt like, oh, I feel like his cousin because I would talk like you would talk to a cousin. And, and I think that, that that actually de-stresses it. We all know when you're trying to learn math or science or really anything, it can be very stressful at first. But if you feel calm and you feel like the, the person who you're working with is, you know, with you and, and there's mutual respect, it, it can be a lot more uh, relaxing. I do think that's what makes a difference. Like I have two 15-year-old daughters, so I feel like in some ways they've grown up with your videos in school. Um, and actually in middle school, the Khan Academy videos were suggested um, when they started algebra. And they were like assigned as part of homework because, you know, when you have 36 kids in a class and a teacher just doesn't know if you're, everyone's grasping the concepts and doesn't want everyone to come in with incomplete homework the next day, <laughs> um, it became a way for the teacher to have a tool that she could suggest. And it was incredibly helpful rather than my daughters coming to me and me trying to remember my algebra, um, which was you know easy at first and then not so easy as they progressed. And it's, it was really interesting because I do think that's what attracted them was that it was very approachable. It didn't feel like another math video or, God forbid, the explanation in the textbook, which sometimes confused them even more because it might even be a different way than their teacher showed them. Um, so I, I think it's really interesting that you've kept that approach as you've grown. Yeah, I think for any organization, that's kind of the, the you know, how, as you as you grow and you scale, uh, a lot of good things happen because of that scale. But you also, I think, have to be careful not to lose whatever got you there in the first place. And, you know, we don't know exactly what it is, and but, but we are trying to retain that, that, you know, as we create content, that it really people retain a human connection. You know, what you just described, we've appreciated over the last five, six, seven years, uh, you know, how critical teachers are, not just in being advocates for what we're trying to do, but also uh, just how critical they are in the learning process. And so that's why, uh, you know, above and beyond all the content that we've had, you know, in, in the near term, we were launching all, a whole new set of tools for teachers as well to just make it easier for them to do exactly what you just described, assign things to students, understand where there's gaps, uh, and frankly, just save the teacher a lot of time. So let's talk a little bit about LearnStorm, which you guys are launching in a few weeks. Um, mid-September when everyone's everyone is back to school because that now seems to happen over like a six-week period in this country, yeah. which is crazy. Um, but let's talk a little bit about LearnStorm and and what it is and and how you anticipate that working. Yeah, there, there's two things that so LearnStorm at a you know very high level is a learning challenge. I guess that's the best way you can describe it. But I'd like to think there's a lot more there than you know just kind of calling it a challenge. It has two goals, really. One is, uh, we all remember when you start the school year and teachers are telling us, you know, it's hard, it takes a little time to get to get things moving. Teachers have to spend a lot of time. I think I, I read a research report recently that the average teacher has to spend 22% of the new school year reviewing the previous school year. And a lot of that is, you know, the summer slide phenomenon that happens where you know, not only are students not learning for three months, but they forget the last two months of the previous school year. And so one of the points of LearnStorm are, can we have a really fun, engaging way for teachers, classrooms to engage in material that's right at the student's level? For a lot of students, it might be to 
uh, refresh all the content that they that might have slid <laughs> during the summer, so to speak. Uh, for some, they, they might not need that, and they can start to move ahead and, and start having a nice start to the school year. And then another layer of it, and I, I think a lot of teachers and y'all are probably familiar with this whole notion of growth mindset. You know, there's this really interesting body of literature, Carol Dweck, Angela Duckworth, other folks, that if you have a growth mindset, you're willing to step out of your comfort zone, you, you don't, you're not afraid of failure, that not only will you do better in school, you'll frankly do better in life. And so LearnStorm is twofold. It is really a nationwide growth, set, growth mindset intervention where it's, it's giving teachers and students different activities they can do that will build the student's growth mindsets. And then they can apply that growth mindset and be rewarded for it by doing activities that are completely aligned with what the students need to learn in school. So you're integrating basically with the teacher um, and going directly to teachers and, and having them see you guys as this tool like my daughter's math teacher did. Um, can you talk a little bit about that, almost like that reward system and that, because I think people think of you as just videos um, and don't realize yeah, and, and the breadth of what you guys do. And you know what, I just want to jump do. in here too because I don't, I don't have a middle schooler and my, my child is older and so... You know, my initial understanding when you first launched was the video tutorials and that it was very much for people to learn on their own and for kids to do on their own. And so um, I'm fascinated by this idea of actually partnering with the teachers in the schools. I'm glad, I'm glad y'all bring that up. All the time internally here, kind of kind of like, how come everyone you know, thinks we're just a video site? And right. we're, we frankly are spending 90% of our energy on, on, on some of this other stuff. So, yeah, exactly. You know, I think the reason why there's that perception is, um, you know, the early days of Khan Academy, we just, you know, we just talked about it with my cousins, et cetera, et cetera. Actually, before the videos were even created, the vision, my vision was, hey, I want to create practice for my cousins so that they can fill in gaps in their knowledge. And I was their tutor, and I created tools for me to keep track of what they were doing. And even before I had the first video, I had even piloted it in some classrooms back in, in 2007 to see if I could make some tools for teachers. But those videos were there to complement this exercise software, but they kind of got a life of their own. And in the early days of Khan Academy in 2010, 2011, there was just a ton of press. And I think that narrative of like, hey, there's this guy who made videos for his cousin, and they're caught catching on. And so and that was great. A lot of people noticed us. But really, over the last four or five years, most of our energy has been on this exercise platform across subjects and grades aligned to the Common Core, aligned to AP. We just had this announcement with the College Board around being the official practice for the AP. We're also the official practice for the SAT. And I emphasize practice. There are videos as well, but students get as much practice with feedback. Teachers, from day one, we've had teacher tools on Khan Academy so that teachers could keep track of what they were, their students were doing, where there's gaps in their students' knowledge. What we're launching right now, this Back to School launched literally a week ago, is ways for teachers to very easily make assignments, check whether the students did them, see what students had difficulty in, easily go over those items that tripped up their students most frequently in the classroom. So uh, simple answer is yes, we are not just videos, we're not just math. In fact, that's a small part of what we do. Most of what we do is our exercise platform across subjects and grades. And a real focus for us is how do we empower the teacher? Because the teacher is the most critical actor in a in a student's life. You know, I, I've said it multiple times, if I had to pick between, you know, the, the fanciest uh, technology in the world with, you know, everything and, and you know, not, not having access to a great teacher versus having access to a great teacher and just, you know, they would have to use sand at the beach to write, I'd rather have the great teacher on the sand versus 
uh, all the technology in the world. So everything we think about is how do we use technology to empower the teacher, to humanize the classroom, uh, to allow more personalization for students. So how can parents, I would say, approach this? Because sometimes, um, and I don't know if you found this when you've gone into schools, but sometimes parents are the most powerful advocates for getting things like this into the classroom um, and helping teachers and sometimes parents pay for these things. You know, sometimes it's PTAs paying for PD for teachers, you know, whatever it is. Um, How do you think parents can sort of understand what Khan Academy is and help their kids at home if they need that assistance, but also approach their teachers about things like this or their principal? Yeah, the the easy, so there's a couple of things they could do. The the easiest thing is, you know, start working on Khan Academy with your children. It's all free. It's not for profit. There's no catch here. And, you know, you do 30 minutes a day. I I, I, I don't want to guarantee, guarantee, but I, I think there's a very, very high probability that within a few months, your, not only your, your child's, but even your own mindset towards whatever subject you're studying on Khan Academy will change in a very positive way. Uh, you, you, will, you, will, you will feel that that subject is not only interesting, but, but hopefully a lot easier than you thought it was. Uh, it's all, all obviously great. You know, all these tools that we talk about for teachers, we're, we're a fairly open system. Anyone can use them. So that, you, know, you don't have to be a registered teacher to use them. A, a parent can use it with their children. You could also volunteer and use it with other people's children, I guess. And, uh, but obviously you could tell teachers about it. You could help them. You know, if you're familiar with the tools we're creating, you can help teachers get up to speed. You know, there's, there's an interesting thing. Khan Academy is free, you know, as free as can be. But sometimes in school settings, they might have already paid for something. They might have mm-hmm. paid for a textbook. They might have paid for some other software vendor. And there's this weird thing. I've even talked to some teachers like, well, we like Khan Academy better, but our district already paid for X, Y, and Z, so we're going to use that. So it's this weird, uh, almost backwards logic. So, you know, when you see that, try to point out that, well, it does, you know, just use it if you think it's better. And, and you know, we'll, we'll talk about getting that other thing out of the budget so that we can use it for other things that are useful for, for the teachers and, and, and students. Uh, so, yeah, I think some combination of that is, is what would, would help the most. So let's, I'm going to totally do a selfish question now, because you mentioned the AP. <laughs> My daughters will be taking their first AP exam this year, but also the SAT. Um, and I think this is probably the biggest stress point for parents of teens um, are the SAT and the ACT and first deciding what your kid's going to take and all this stuff. But you are, and I've just seen this, my daughters will be sophomores, I am bombarded by emails, ads on Facebook, because like, God forbid, I looked at like one thing one time on the Princeton Review Facebook page, and now I'm like, you know, getting every college, every test prep thing possible. Um, So if I'm overwhelmed as a parent, I know my daughters are overwhelmed. How can you as a parent help your kids prepare for those tests and maintain sanity for them, for you, Um, but also like really like, when should they start preparing? Should they start preparing junior year? Should they start preparing sophomore year? You know, what are your tips for those big tests? Yeah, you know, the SAT, we, as we mentioned, Khan Academy is now the official practice partner. And what that means is you go to Khan Academy, if, if your daughter's taking the PSAT, the PSAT can actually be synced up with Khan Academy software, so it acts as a diagnostic. And so the software will immediately know what your daughter is strong in or weak in, and then immediately give it very personalized, targeted practice. Uh, but if you haven't taken the PSAT, then you just go onto the site. It'll give you a diagnostic, and then you can start doing that practice. And, you know, the important thing to keep in mind, the SAT today is very different than the SAT that we might have taken when we were young. 
you know, back then it was associated with being a little bit more like an, like an aptitude test, like an IQ test. They actually changed what the A means. It, it really is now an achievement test. It's very focused on really the, the core of the standards that you would expect someone to learn in high school. The hardest math is really uh, the earliest stuff in Algebra 2, uh, and then, you know, the reading and the grammar. It's, it's not really, it's not super advanced material. And so I actually think it's, it's not a bad idea to start early, but do it in a very kind of fun, casual way. <laughs> so, you know, the, the longer you wait, the more stressful it's going to get. If your daughter is 15, you know, maybe she puts in half an hour a week, an hour a week. And, and the reason why it, I don't view this as a distraction is the things she would be doing to practice for the SAT are, exa- are the exact same skills that she would be doing in her high school, and so it'll just improve her academic performance generally. And they're, frankly, the exact same skills you would need for college. You know, the infamous SAT words that we remember when we were young, they're no longer in the SAT. Uh, there's now <laughs> only words that you actually would expect that we would actually use in, in conversation. Uh, so I'm glad to hear I, that. I think, yeah, no. <laughs> so so I, think, I think that's a simple answer. And, you know, our, our goal isn't to try to compete with paid trust prep or anything like that, but I would say that, you know, people, parents should ask a hard question, like, why do I have to pay oftentimes thousands of dollars? Mm-hmm. You know, we just released an efficacy study in conjunction with the college board where students who spend 20 hours on Khan Academy, and 20 hours is not a lot of time. You can do that in a couple of weeks, really, if you're focused, much less than a few years. Uh, they're getting twice as much growth from the PSAT to the SAT than you would otherwise expect. And it wasn't in the press release, but that growth keeps growing. We have students you know, who went longer and, and that grow, you know, they saw 300, 400 points of improvement. And so when you, when you have that type of efficacy data on something that is free, on something that is actually aligned with uh, the college board from the test makers, you know, and if a parent is willing to be that coach for the student, uh, I don't think you need to even think about these really expensive test prep courses. Well, that's great <laughs> because it is daunting and, um, and I think particularly in cities, you know, where it becomes sort of a pack mentality about uh, everyone starts freaking out because they know what everyone else is doing. It's it's good to know for parents that there's free resources out there. Yeah, I think those are the two things that make people tempted to do, do those things. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of these those ads you're seeing, they are preying off of parents and students' anxiety. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, the, the two somewhat rational or maybe irrational reasons I've heard for people still maybe doing that is like, oh, I still want someone, I'm going to pay someone $5,000 to make sure I do the work on Khan Academy. It's like, okay, if, if you got the money, uh, or, uh, well, everyone else is doing it, which, you know, usually isn't a good reason for doing anything. Uh, but right. the data, uh, and, and very few of these vendors that will charge you $5,000 have really any data. But, you know, the free solution here actually has the data on its side. That's great. You know, I'm curious, do parents or kids or even teachers ask for anything else? Like, is anyone interested in like, beginning coding, um, that sort of, you know, STEM-oriented tutorial? Oh, yeah. No, co- coding has been something that is very close to our heart uh, from, from close to day one. Our, our coding platform is probably, you know, it's one of the top places where people are learning JavaScript. And especially if you have younger actually all of all ages we we have five we have fifth graders using it we have people doing their phd thesis on our coding platform uh, but it's what you know what's fun about it is traditionally when you learn to program you know they do it in a very structured way you learn variables and you learn conditionals and you learn for loops uh, which is pretty dry for people most people who've 
actually learned to program, they started off saying, I want to make a game or I want to make an animation. And then they just did whatever they had to do to learn how to make that game or animation. And so that's the, the tack that the Khan Academy coding takes, where it starts you say, hey, can you make a drawing that you know, does this or that? And then eventually, and it, but it builds up the same types of skills. So we find that it's very, it, it makes people appreciate how creative programming is uh, much earlier uh, than having to go through the traditional variables, conditionals, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. That's great. Well, thank you so much. It was really great to talk to you. Um, we'll have links to everything we talked about on our Facebook page and on our Parenting Bites website. But Sal Khan, thank you. And, you know, thanks for Khan Academy. I think it really has helped transform how a lot of our kids are learning. And um, I'm just grateful that there's better homework help out there than, than I am. So <laughs> it's great. Well, you should go too. I, I'm telling you, you know, you should have a growth mindset. Don't be afraid of that algebra. I do. I am not afraid of algebra. <laughs> let me tell you. But I, I put in my algebra okay, time. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm not afraid. Um, I may hit up the coding ones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you should seriously. And, and and actually, that's incredible. Incredible modeling for your children because if they see that you're doing it, they're like, oh, okay. Maybe that's something I should do too. Yeah, so much better than BuzzFeed, right? <laughs> so <laughs> more 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 than you probably appreciate. They actually do want to be like you. Um, no, I get it. I do. And they're 15. So I, I see it. I definitely do. But luckily, um, you know, I think this generation of kids, one of the best things is they're not afraid to go find those resources online um, for themselves. And they're not afraid to just jump in and try, which is great. I just think as long as they don't think it's a chore, which you've managed to find that balance, I think that's the sweet spot for them. So it's great. So thank well, you. Thanks for having us on the show. And yeah. Thanks. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You're listening to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. So we are back with our Bites of the Week. Andrea, what you got? So um, I have music. Well, not really music, but... (laughs) But I have a new set of headphones, and I know there's so many headphones out there, and, you know, they all do different things. But actually, Amy and I, a few weeks ago, met with the founder of this company um, called Even, and these are the Even H2 headphones. And what's different and intriguing about them is before you use them, you, of course, fire up the free app on your phone, and put them on, and you get a little hearing test. You know, like when you used to sit in the booth and you had to raise your hand, ding, did you hear that, ding? And so it gives you a little hearing test, and then it tunes the music, the way the music comes out to your ear, specifically for your personalized hearing. So, you know, some people can hear highs better or can hear lows better or have problems with um, certain tones, and this, through the hearing test, can diagnose that. I mean, it's not, you know, I wouldn't use it for, you know, getting a hearing aid, but uh, just to hear better music. And it's interesting because, you know, you, you tune it for you, and then if you hand your headphone to your husband or your kids, the music might sound a little different. So I think it's an intriguing idea. That's so interesting. Like, you think that's true? <laughs> think that just, I mean, I just don't, like, does does that, does that seem... You know, there's a lot of times where people say, oh, this has the best bass or I need more bass, you know, and, and, and I test headphones a lot as a reviewer. Right. 
And I kind of think to myself, I don't really get what they're saying. Like, to me, it just sounds loud and noisy. And so I think that there is something to be said for um, understanding how you actually hear things, what your preference is for hearing things. I think it changes as you get older, right? Like, I am much more sensitive to sound than I was (laughs) when I was younger. Yeah, yeah. Or like my husband, you know, we can go to a restaurant and, you know, if it's a little noisy, the background noise just cancels everything out for him. Right. I wonder um, why that happens. I thought you were going to say this was like a hearing test thing, like where you could just self-administer hearing tests because I'm always convinced I'm losing my hearing. Well, like, what? No. Right. Exactly. <laughs> that would be that would be cool. It is it is kind of a hearing test, but then it just uses the results of the hearing test to to personalize your music right that's cool yeah it's interesting you know amy's going to try them out too i can lend them to you to try them out and we can see you know we can see if it actually makes a difference and the founder was lovely um actually we want to have him on because he's moving his family from uh i think he's in tel aviv now moving to brooklyn so he and amy were just going on Uh, about brooklyn that's so funny All right, we'll have him on the show. He can talk about why it's not just a good hearing test, exactly. <laughs> which is what, what we all actually need. <laughs> um, all right, my bite this week is an article on Vanity Fair, which I shared on Facebook, and it got, like, so much reaction. So I'm like, okay. Um, called Why Generation X Might Be Our Last Best Hope. And, of course, I'm totally biased because I am totally Generation X. But it's an article basically about how Generation X has to, like, clean up the total mess that the boomers have made because they screwed everything up. Oh, us boomers. <laughs> you messed everything up. And um, and how millennials, like how the Gen X is basically smushed on either side by two much larger generations. But we're the last generation that had a totally analog childhood, yet was young enough to adapt to technology pretty quickly. So it's an interesting, it's a really, really, really good article. Um and about how Gen X is basically going to save the country because someone has to. Oh, someone has to. Someone has to. <laughs> and let's hope that he's, you know, our president is the last of the um, horrible boomer legacy of that that boomer. I think boomers is a very lo- way too large of a generation, actually. Yeah. Um, there's a what? giant difference between my parents that are at the very, very beginning and those who were born in this, like, early 60s that's a totally different thing to be yep. born in the late 40s versus the early 60s i believe that i'm the last year of the boomer yeah so. you're not really a boomer right but i am but you are technically. and you're right it's just i think it's be- before we started labeling things right <laughs> they were just <laughs> right because my grandmother's generation that's like the depression generation essentially they called them i guess they called them the greatest generation because they were right. the ones who fought in world yep. war ii but no like, <laughs> it's a very weird generation. Like, the Depression, I think, affected them more than the war. Um, so, I don't know. It's, I think it's a very strange thing when you have generations spanning 20 years. There's a giant difference. It's huge, yeah. But someone said, I remember, maybe it was Lauren Michaels, said your generation now, the generation's defined by which cast of Saturday Night Live is your favorite. That <laughs> 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 that just goes to show, like, where you were in high school. And then that sort of defines your your culture. It's oh, really funny. Oh, that is funny. hysterical. That funny? I love that. Um, it's That's very great. true. Okay, wait. I have to add one thing just because yeah. Amy's not here, so we may have two more seconds. And I know that you guys always rib me for not watching TV and not being <laughs> yeah. up on everything. And I honestly listen to all your suggestions. And all I have to say is Stranger Things, OMG. See? So yeah. good. 
Total yeah, Gen so X show. Anyone <laughs> who hasn't watched this, oh my! And, and, and you're right. The whole thing of the '80s, the it's, parents who have no idea. It's with, and Winona Ryder. You can't have more Gen X than Winona Ryder. She's <laughs> yeah. it. She was the poster child. There oh was, my gosh! Yeah. yeah. So I need a new suggestion. Oh, a new TV suggestion. Well, you should sure. see Fauda. I'm telling you, even though it's subtitled, you should watch Fauda. Oh, right. That, that was That's what I recommended week. last week. It is yeah. so good. All right. I have to see if my husband's up for subtitles. It is so good. Did you guys watch The Crown? We did. Okay. So we've now made a pact that that's, and now Stranger Things, those are two things that we watched that there was only one year of, right. one, one season. So that's no easier. more because we like to just binge. We like to go all through, you know, eight seasons of The Good Wife or oh, whatever. Oh, eight seasons. <laughs> yeah. um, what should yeah. I tell you to watch then? Yeah. Uh. <laughs> so the crown we're waiting for. And now he was very upset when he found out there was no more Stranger Things. I know. October. It's coming back yeah. in October. Um, yeah. Yeah. Now I have to go back to Someone recommended Grace and Frankie. Yeah. Grace and Frankie's yeah. good. It's, I mean, it's short because it's like more sitcom-y. Yeah. It's good. It's definitely, yeah. But um, okay. Fauda's only one season, but it's it's really good. No, then I have to wait for that. But 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 just so everyone knows, I do listen to them. I take their advice. I watched <laughs> it. It was awesome. <laughs> oh, my God. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad you liked it. Um, and that is our show for this week. You can find links to everything we talked about on Facebook.com slash Parenting Bites and on ParentingBites.com. Of course, on iTunes, rate, review, subscribe. And on Play.it, where you can find Parenting Bites and all of the CBS podcasts. Thanks for being on the phone with me today, Andrea. So no. it wasn't really all by myself. Well, I'm not really all by myself. I have Patrick. You I have, have our Patrick producer here with there. me. <laughs> it's not like super creepy <laughs> being here all by myself. <laughs> Until next week, happy parenting.